0: You're listening to an Economy Matters Podcast, produced by the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta. The Federal Open Market Committee concluded a two-day the meeting earlier today. The pace of drop today.
1: growth has been strong. Downside
0: risks to the outlook the the number economy. of Fed officials... shadow security. banking system is large... We've come a
1: long way since the darkest day of the financial crisis.
0: Welcome to another Economy Matters Podcast episode. I'm Tom Hines, Managing Editor of the Atlanta Fed's Economy Matters Magazine. I'm really glad you're here today. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while now because today we're joined by Brent Meyer, an economist here at the Atlanta Fed. And among the numerous projects Brent is involved with, he's uh, one of the people behind our survey of business uncertainty. And he's agreed to sit down with me today and discuss the SBU. Brent, thanks for joining us.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. How's it going?
0: Well, uh, fine. I, I, uh, I want to talk to you uh, first off uh, about the initial concept behind the uh, Survey of Business Uncertainty. Uh, what was the impetus behind its creation?
1: Yeah, so we're really interested in what drives businesses to make the decisions that they make. It's a crucial component to the formation of sound monetary policy, and it's actually something that – We've been uh, uh, pretty interested in here at the Atlanta Fed for quite some time with the development of our our rain network, our regional economic information gathering network. So we this is sort of dovetails with that in trying to get at really what are what are businesses reacting to. So obviously the the concept of this survey
0: has been in the works for quite some time before before its debut on here at the Atlanta Fit?
1: Sure, yeah, and the idea behind the survey really is to track the uncertainty that businesses perceive in their external environments and the uncertainty they perceive about their own future outcomes, say for hiring or CapEx. For example, there can be discrete events like 9-11, like Brexit or the financial crisis or something maybe even more mundane like changes in trade policy, and that can profoundly alter the outlook for decision makers and, and, and impact their business plans going forward. Right. Well, we're going to get to some of
0: those things, so don't get ahead of me here. But I wanted to ask you about how you actually constructed such a survey. I, I imagine it was quite complex. Um, what went into building it? And also, I want to ask you who else is involved in it. I know it's not just you.
1: Yeah, so so in order to answer that question, it's kind of a little story. Uh, the story starts with our business inflation expectation survey, which uh, former Atlanta Fed economist Mike Bryan started back in 2010. Nick Parker and myself helped Mike develop that survey. And by 2013, we were approached by a couple of preeminent uh, economists, Nick Bloom from Stanford and Steve Davis from the University of Chicago Booth School. And they were really interested in the methods that we were using on our business inflation expectation survey. And they wanted to expand on that. Uh, so right now it's rather a really large group uh, of researchers, including um, those two. And then we added one of Nick Bloom's Ph.D. students at the time, Jose, Jose uh, Maria Barrero, and he's been a tremendous addition to the team. Right. And then really making this whole thing run and happen is our survey director, Nick Parker, who manages manages the panel, cultivates the survey and leads a team of undergraduate interns in our recruiting efforts. Wow. So, I mean, it's it's really complex,
0: Yeah. Yeah, I guess it truly does take a village to do this kind of thing.
1: Yeah, honestly, it really does. And, and think about where we're at now. You know, it's the mid, middle of 2019, and we're just really starting to socialize our survey of business uncertainty with the public. We really started testing and cognitive interviews, these things, back in 2013, You know, the late 2013, early 2014. And we've been refining our, our, our survey for the last – five years or so. Wow.
0: Well, you mentioned that a couple of your economist uh, peers reached out to you about um, developing this sort of survey. So let me ask you, what what informational need does the SBU fill that wasn't being filled by, by
1: other existing measures? In other words, what makes it distinct? Mm. So when you're thinking about uh, uncertainty, There are a couple of different ways to measure that and a couple of different approaches that economists have taken in the past. One is just looking at professional forecasters and how much they disagree with each other. When there's a lot of disagreement, that can be a proxy for living in uncertain times. Another measure is actually Nick Bloom and Steve Davis uh, uh, put together along with another researcher, and this uses newspapers and sort of news mentions of things like policy uncertainty or trade uncertainty uh, to use as a proxy for trying to gauge the uncertainty that businesses are facing. And there are other survey methods uh, that try to get at this uh, in a certain way, but really the, the, the niche in this field that the survey of business uncertainty uh, uh, tries to get at, it, it, what we're really doing is we're really uh, providing this uh, an innovative uh, procedure and methodology for eliciting subjective probability distributions. Uh, and we're not focusing on aggregate expectations like, say, for GDP growth or S&P 500. We're really focusing on things that we think firms care about, their own, their own outcomes for employment, for capital spending, uh, for sales revenue. And this we do on a monthly basis. Uh, and We have broad coverage of the U.S. Uh, non-financial or non-farm private sector. And in addition to these core questions that really try to get at not only a firm's past and current outcomes with uh, with regard to employment, capex, and sales revenue, we're also looking at their their probability distributions or their expected outcomes.
0: Right. So uh, we've recently published a research paper um, by you and, and some of your colleagues about the uh, survey of business uncertainty. And in your paper, you know, quote unquote, and I'm quoting you here, uncertainty is a fact of economic life, which we all know to be true. So, what led you to think you could provide clarity on a on a topic with a certain inherent degree of uncertainty?
1: Hmm. Well, uncertainty is a tough topic to grapple with, uh, especially for households and, and businesses, really, in today's fast-moving global environment. You say that with such certainty. <laughs> Excuse all you have did do that all you have to do is have a chat with one of these guys right so so uh, we do this a lot in our policy preparations where we're talking with contacts business contacts in in our district and it became very clear at least over time that, that in just chatting with with firms that this is that uncertainty and and certain discrete events and how they're going to impact their business it's something that weighs on their mind sure based on a daily basis probably an hourly basis absolutely so we're hoping that the methods that we've developed uh, and again over more than 5 years of testing can can accurately measure uh, and make use of firms expectations and uncertainty to better understand how businesses behave in current environments and, or certain environments and whether or not we can use these findings to help formulate better monetary policy. Right.
0: Well, you just said something that leads me nicely into my next question. Without getting too into the weeds, you mentioned the methods behind the survey. Can you des- briefly describe the methodology behind it?
1: Yeah, and if you want, I can go as deep into the in, into the weeds or, or the swamp as you want to venture with. Yeah. I like me.
0: to stay in the shallow end. All right. So,
1: staying in the shallow end, what we're what we're really trying to do is uh, let's take a specific topic, say employment. We're trying to elicit basically their expectations for employment over the next year ahead, let's say. And we think that firms form these expectations in a way that we could get them to the respond to a question that says, okay, what's your middle case for employment growth over the or your uh, employment levels over the year ahead? Well, how about the lowest case, maybe the low case, or a high case and the highest case? Right. So we have them fill out basically five support points in the expe- expectational space from lowest to highest expected outcomes. Mm-hmm. And then we have them assign probabilities to those outcomes. Okay. And we do this not only for employment, but we also do this for capital investment and sales revenue. Okay. And then there's a sort of complicated process. Basically, we try to make sure all these things have are standardized in a certain way. And then we we aggregate it. We add them up right. uh, across the different indices. and And what we're really getting out of this is an index of business expectations based on their answers to those subcomponents. And we're also getting an index of uncertainty. Uh, again, based on how they've responded to those previous questions.
0: So what is the typical sample size that we're talking about here?
1: Well, sample size has been growing. We have a panel that's uh, over a thousand firms now, oh, my. probably uh, 1,250, 1,300 firms, okay. uh, depending on how well our our interns have been doing. And, and typically we'll get responses uh, around 450 or so responses per month.
0: Gotcha. That's, that's a good size. You know, Brent, obviously everyone, individuals and firms like a, like some measure of certainty and, and businesses value certainty a, a great deal. But I want to ask you, is there a commonly accepted notion of quote unquote certainty that you see across firms and industries uh, as far as
1: certainty about prices, supply chains, et cetera? Y- yeah. So let me start an- with this answer. I think that it's true that Everyone likes certainty, and I think that that's particularly true for firms, uh, especially when it comes to profitability in an accounting sense. The more uncertain environment firms are operating in, the more likely they are to hit their profit targets, the happier they are, the easier they sleep, sure. right? Um, sure, The less mu- moving pieces and, and fewer unknowns. Mm-hmm. So basically when the economic environment that these firms are operating in is stable, you know, they're pretty happy. Uh, uh, when uncertainty spikes and that environment becomes less stable, uh, this is often described as pushing firms to the sidelines. Uh, in terms of decision making, an economist might think about this as providing some sort of option value to waiting. Basically until the smoke clears, until you get some certainty, you, you kind of sit on the sidelines. Yeah. Now, can we say that this operates in the same way for all firms over all dimensions? No, I don't think we can say that. Uh, but I suspect that there are differences. In between maybe small and large firms or regional firms and global firms right. or across different industries. I suspect that there are differences along these firm characteristics in how they process and actually react to uncertainty. And it's something um, we're working on trying to understand.
0: Yeah. Well, it's interesting to say that because I wanted to ask you, um, a survey heavy on manufacturing might give you a different perspective from a survey heavy on healthcare, for example.
1: Yeah, absolutely. What we're really attempting to do is provide a sample that roughly matches the nation, the population, the population of businesses out there. So we're really trying to work on in our recruiting methods and and retention methods to get a broad diverse nationally representative sample. So to try to reconcile all these disparate
0: viewpoints into one, you know, quote-unquote snapshot of uncertainty that's, I guess, where the the composition of the survey respondents comes in?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And exposed, there could be some weighting techniques that we could use if we find that we're missing the mark. But uh, at least right now, it looks like we have a broad, relatively broad nationally representative sample. So um, imagine you've overweighted uh, the mining sector. We get a big spike in oil prices. Well, our, our survey might end up saying that that uncertainty has increased quite a bit and expectations have have dropped even though uh, you know two-thirds of firms in the U.S. at least are services and and probably react much less strongly to a spike in say oil prices. So it's something that we care about and it's something that we work uh, uh, diligently to try and and make our sample representative.
0: Right. You mentioned a few minutes ago that the uh, the survey uh, looks at past and present levels of uncertainty to attempt to look ahead over, over the horizon, or at least towards the horizon. How does this sort of forecasting work, and, and what window does the SBU attempt to forecast?
1: Yeah, so most of our questions are in a year-ahead format. So over the next, say, over the next uh, 12 months or or next four quarters. What we're really trying to do is see if whether or not firms, by the way they respond in in aggregate, looking at our sample, say their employment expectations are are increasing. Mm -hmm. Does that correspond to employment, the employment outcomes that we would see a year from now. Uh, that's one of the ways we're trying to understand uh, this survey. And, and, and some of our work uh, uh, points to having this, this predictability or predictive content in, in these expectations for future macro variables. So that's something we point out in our paper. The other thing uh, that we point out is firms tend to know what they don't know, or firms that are in uncertain environments are able to, uh, they respond with a, a very, a very uh, diffuse probability distribution, and they tend to have higher forecasting errors going forward. Right. So it's really an area of research that we're trying to understand uh, a bit more yeah.
0: about. Well, y- your survey includes what you call a special question. What, what sort of information do these special questions attempt to capture, and is, uh, how do you vary the special questions?
1: Special questions are really just that. They're one-off sometimes. They're, they're just really special topics. They either allow us an opportunity to get the probabilistic expectations or uncertainties about other variables uh, outside of our core questions. So maybe one uh, month we want to really understand more about pricing. Uh, for example, then we would ask a specific question on pricing. Uh, but more often than not, these special questions give us insight into policy relevant topics. So imagine you know, we can go back to the end of 2017 when the ink was just drying on the Tax Cut and Jobs Act bill. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were in the field trying to figure out how firms. We're responding to that? Are they making changes at the margin on how they're planning to invest on the year ahead? Or when trade policy started changing and trade policy uncertainty spiked, how are firms reacting to that, especially in regards to capital expenditures? There are really two types of special questions that we can employ. One that helps us understand the firm decision-making on a more academic level, and others that maybe better inform our policy uh, uh, narrative. So really trying to uh, understand the current situation. And it's just a a balancing act uh, between the two, you know, of which way we're going to go.
0: You mentioned trade policy, and, of course, I, I can't leave here today without talking about tariffs and, and sure. trade policy. And there was a lot of talk about uncertainty when, when tariffs and, you know, quote-unquote, trade wars entered the headlines. Did you see this sort of topic move the needle in terms of what you were
1: observing in the survey? So this is a great question. We've asked now special questions on the topic, and we're currently – we just finished up our um, – our third foray into this, uh, or we're ag- actually we're in the midst of our third foray into this uh, special question on tariffs and trade tensions and how they're impacting capital investment. And what we've found, at least initially, over the first two uh, uh, forays into this is that these trade policy changes and uh, tensions with other countries, the increase in tariffs, have had a modest impact. Not a huge impact, just a modest impact on firm's capital expenditure expectations. Uh, And it's something that we can see in our index of uh, our subcomponent on capital expenditures. Uh, And even now, even when we've seen the trade policy uncertainty as measured by the number of news mentions, so in the newspaper trade policy uncertainty is spiked, we're out there and we don't necessarily see increasing or intensifying impact on CapEx. Uh, as far as firm expectations are concerned, so their their forward-looking capital expenditure expectations are still in a favorable spot. Interesting. Uncertainty has actually gone down in our July survey survey for capital expenditures, and our special question isn't really picking up any more or in a more aggressive or more impactful effect from trade and uh, tensions and tariffs on capex right now.
0: Interesting. Uh- it's interesting to separate the survey results from the headlines we see. Well, Brent, I know I know the um, you know the art and science, if you will, of surveying involves ongoing refinements. But I want to ask you: How has the survey changed since you first began conducting it? And, and do you have a sense of how it might change more down the road?
1: Yeah. So the survey's kind of changed a lot. And it's part of the reason why we've spent five years refining it. When we started out the way we were asking questions, we'd have respondents respond to drop-down menus for their percentage change uh, for a variable on an expectation. And we found that that had uh, impacts, like a framing impact or or, Mm -hmm. or impact on the way that they're answering the question. So that one change we made is we just uh, now provide open-ended boxes, basically They're just boxes where they respond, uh, you know, what that actual level is or what that actual percent changes for a different support point or for a different expectation. And we've also varied the number of questions and how frequently we're asking the questions. So we started off by asking six core questions. So in addition to the employment, the sales revenue, and the capex. We had unit costs, average prices, and profit margins. Really, what we found this was, a, you know, some back and forth between our team, but we really wanted to lessen the number of core questions we had, so you have more responses or more what you think is maybe more validity, right, uh, uh, in any different in any given month. Uh, And and we changed the way our panel's set up. So now we've whittled our our core questions down to three. And we only ask one question per panel right now. So we have three separate panels. And basically, if you're a respondent in the survey of business uncertainty, you'll only see uh, one of our our core questions once a quarter. So that's sort of born out of a little give and take, uh, understanding the sort of frequency of decision making. So for employment, it, that might change on a monthly basis, but for CapEx, it doesn't appear that, that most firms really alter their plans on a, on a month-to-month basis. Right, so, right. so trying to get at things at a quarterly frequency for an individual uh, a respondent uh, seems to be a pretty decent tradeoff, and it gives us some, a higher number of respondents responding to each core question
0: I guess that also has the benefit of making it less burdensome for them to respond to. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So when you're trying to get in front of uh, C-suite folks and business owners, you really want to limit the amount of time to, that you're asking them for because really they're doing this out of the goodness sure. of their own heart. Right. I think
0: we've, There's no reward in it for them.
1: Well, we've given them, I think, mugs and water bottles <laughs> before, but I'm not so sure that that's a benefit. So we really try to keep the survey response time to a minimum. So we're talking some somewhere around five minutes or so to fill out a survey.
0: Right, right. The sweet spot. Well, Brent, we're about out of time, but, but I want to note to people listening that we'll have a link to the uh, survey of business uncertainty on our website, FRB Atlanta.org, as well as your research paper that you that we recently published about it. And I encourage everyone listening to check out periodically as, as the survey is obviously updated with new results as, as we receive new information. But, Brent, thanks to you for spending some time with us today. I have looked forward to this conversation, and I really enjoyed it.
1: Thank you very much, Tom.
0: And maybe I'll hit you up for one of those water bottles at some point, too, for a souvenir. Yeah, or a
1: coffee mug. I have a <laughs> Stanford mug on my desk. You're welcome, to.
0: Excellent. And that's all for this episode of the Economy Matters podcast. I'm Tom Hynches, Managing Editor of the Atlanta Fed's Economy Matters magazine. And I hope you'll check out Economy Matters on, the, on our website at frbatlanta.org. I also hope you'll join me here next month for a new episode. Thanks for being here. This has been a production of the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta. For more podcasts on this topic and others, please visit the Atlanta Fed's website at frbatlanta.org.